0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, packhunterscore.com. Well, we got, uh, we got like a game or something coming up here, I think, pretty soon. And by pretty soon, I mean we all have to sit around and stress for a very long time until nighttime. And it's going to be great, because here, here's how I expect this to happen. As you know, it's, it's Saturday for me. But here's, here's how, I'm, how I'm planning on spending my day. You wake up, you get fired up, you're like, dang, it's game day, that's crazy, I can't believe it. And then you immediately transition into, dude, we're going to smash them. And then after hours and hours and hours of watching different games, several of which are going to be upsets or things not going as you thought they automatically should, you start to wonder, what if? And then you sit in that for hours. Vacillating back and forth between, yay, it's game day, we're gonna smash them, and dude, they better not lose. So, that's how we're gonna, how I'm gonna spend my day. I don't know, you guys do whatever you wanna do. That's what I'm gonna do all day. See if there's something else that I can think of to do. Anyways, before we get into this whole shebang, little news and notes for you. Patrick Taylor has been elevated, and immediately to everybody's mind, that means we're gonna run the ball a lot. Why? Last week we didn't run, and they, well, One of the things that was brought up is when you only have two running backs, you kind of worry about potentially losing one, so you try to preserve the ones you have. I have no idea how much that played into this decision, but I do like it removed that excuse. I do like that, if nothing else, the Packers have the ability, if they so choose, to run these guys a lot. There's none of this, I don't know, I'm getting kind of nervous, what if somebody starts getting worn down? In fact, they may want to give this guy a couple touches. I know Packer fans aren't exactly excited about that, but if the goal is we want to keep these guys fresh and run the ball a lot, you do that by inserting a third running back. Might only be like five touches, which is what Aaron Jones got last week, but it's an option. Additionally, even if that's not your original game plan, which it may not be, again, I'm not going to read so much into this to say, there you go, that that seals it, we're running the ball 40 times. Potentially some bad weather. If we're forced to ground this thing, you might need another running back. Additionally, 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 if we're up by 30 points (laughs) and you need to grind it on the ground, you sure would hate to have to use A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, wouldn't you? I mean, I guess theoretically you could put Amari Rogers out there, but I think that's getting a little silly. So for several different reasons, I think it makes sense to get that third running back finally back on the depth chart. Anyways, uh, I'm going to move off of that because I don't want to spend let's get hyped up for this game. Sunday spent talking about Patrick Taylor. No offense to Patrick Taylor. I like Patrick Taylor. You guys know I like Patrick Taylor. But let's talk about things that are a little bit more interesting. You know, sometimes I need a little motivation just to kind of get things kicked off a little bit. I've got a couple little things here and there queued up and ready to go. Some stats to look at. A couple interesting little tidbits. But just to get things kicked off. I, I can't think of a better way to kind of get me in the right headspace than to kick this off with a little bit of Adam Rank. Who is like the number one national media guy that is like massively high on the Bears and super hates the Packers? It's perfect. There's nothing better than that. Let's see what Adam Rank says he thinks is going to happen in this game. No, don't don't no need to apologize. Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback, and yes, this is a narrative that happened last season. But listen, I know everybody's like, don't don't make Aaron Rodgers angry. We have a quarterback in Chicago who doesn't care. We have a coach who certainly doesn't care. <laughs> Adam, you hit the nail on the head there, brother. You have a coach and a quarterback in Chicago that don't care. At least they sure look that way. I've seen Justin Fields play. It sure looks like he doesn't care. So well put, but get to the part where you think the bears are going to be good. Cause you know, that's what we're here for. This defense has played really well. As a matter of fact, the last time Matt Eberflus faced Aaron Rodgers back in 2020, as defensive coordinator of the indianapolis colts he held them to three second half points including overtime so for me this is easy give me the bears 21 20. all right so the bears are going to win 21 to 20 because eberflus like a decade ago (laughs) held the packers to three how did he phrase that held the packers to three second half points i had to go back and listen to it. three second half points. is that right 3 yeah it is 3 second half points that's pretty great you know what the the score of that game was it was 31 to 34 listen congratulations on holding the packers to 3 points in the second half that's that's pretty great right but that also means you gave up 28 points in the first half does it not in fact they gave up 21 points in one quarter The defense of the Colts did not beat the Packers. It was the offense scoring 34 points. If you think the defense allowing the Packers to score 31 points is the reason you won the game, you're out of your mind. So your claim to fame, this is the revisionist history that I find hilarious. The claim to fame is that they found this defensive genius who trounced the Packers in 2020 to come in and be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Last year, the defense ranked 9th in points, 16th in yards. The year before that, 10th in points, 8 in yards. The year before that, 18th and 16th. Before that, 10th and 11th. I mean, they've been pretty good. I mean, being 10th is fine. They've never really had an elite defense. What did I say? The one year was 9th, which is fine. I mean, it's top third. That's cool. By the way, the Colts were 9th last year, twice and the Jaguars twice. Do you know that they gave up three points in two games against the Texans? I mean, that's, that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's impressive even though it's the Texans, but it's a common opponent that clearly you're... you're if, if we remove, let's just do this. If we remove the Texans and the Jaguars, and I understand, well, you play the Bears and the Lions. First of all, the Lions, that doesn't count for us because they play us pretty tough. Always score like 30 points every time we see them. But I'm not talking about our defense trying to explain something about their defense. Actually, let's just do this, rather than doing all that math. Impressive games. Buffalo Bills held them to 15 points. That's impressive. Also scored 41, so equally as impressive for the offense. 16 to the Cardinals. 18 for the 49ers. That's about it. You allowed 26 from the Jaguars. The Seahawks scored 28. The Jets, you allowed 30. The Ravens scored 31. The Titans scored 34. And the Buccaneers scored 38. So, yeah, okay, it's fine, I guess. It's certainly not a top-tier defense. And again, Eberflus went up against the Packers one time, I think, and gave up 31 points. Cool. (laughs) Congratulations on that one. So the Packers scored 31 against Eberflus, right, when he was the the defensive coordinator of the Colts. But the Bears are only going to allow 20. Wow, they must be a much better unit than what the Colts had back then, right? Must be. And that was in Indy, and this is at home, so that, that adds an element too because the Packers score more points at home. So this must be a significantly better defense than what the Colts were dealing with. That must have been a, a pile of garbage that the Colts had. I mean, yeah, DeForest Buckner is better than anybody on the Chicago Bears defense. al Muhammad was there and is here now. Same dude. Justin Houston, real solid DBs like Kenny Moore, Xavier Rhodes. T.J. Carey, who maybe you haven't heard of, but had a 70 overall grade. Three really top-tier DBs in Indy. Shaquille Leonard, probably the best linebacker in all of football. But I'm sure the Bears are going to be much better. I'm sure it, it'll be fine. There's probably the defensive coordinator that made these guys good, right? DeForest Buckner's garbage, if not for Matt Eberflus. Shaquille Leonard doesn't know how to play a linebacker, except for Matt Eberflus. The reality is the Colts were a better-than-average defense. Matt Eberflus is joining the Bears staff. This is the first year trying to implement a new scheme with guys who are not built for this scheme. So there'll be a lot of turnover eventually because you can't do everything in one year. And it's a significantly uh, less talented defense than what he had in Indy. So there you go. That's what you got to ride on. You've you've got um, complete revisionist history. You've got the fact that the last time they hired a coach like this, was similar to Lovey Smith, therefore maybe we will be kind of good. I mean, okay, let's let's look at things that are real, okay? Can we look at real things for a second? Last year, you know how many times the Bears won a game twice in a row? Twice. They beat the Bengals and then lost. They beat the Raiders and then lost. They beat the Lions and then lost. They beat the Giants and then lost. Only two times all last year did they have back-to-back wins. Two times. That's it. Do you know how many times the Packers have back-to-back losses? They don't. They don't. In the regular season, doesn't happen. By the way, Justin Fields back-to-back wins, only one time. Because one of the other victories was the other guy, Andy Dalton. The Bears beat the Lions 24 to 14, then beat the Raiders 20 to 9. Couple things. Number 1 <laughs> Oh, you suck. Number 2 Notice the incredibly low-scoring offense. Would you say that Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears offense led the charge on those two victories, or maybe was it the 14 and 9 points allowed? In fact, the first time they got past 24 points was week 9 against the Steelers. This offense is terrible. It ranked 27th in scoring. And as much as you might love your new offensive coordinator, I was watching some YouTube videos and they were talking about how much longer are we going to have Luke Getze before he gets hired away as a head coach? Tell you what, score more than 19 points and then we can have a conversation about it. Yes, I know it rained for one quarter. By the way, the only time they scored any points was when it rained. So I'm kind of tired of hearing about the rain. You want to talk about how little the Packers scored against the Colts two years ago? How about we talk about how... The Chicago Bears scored zero points in the first half before the rain started getting bad. How about that? How about the fact that 12 of your 19 points came in the fourth quarter when that torrential downpour actually started? Maybe we should start talking about the fact that maybe that's the thing that helped you was the rain to slow down the 49ers defense. Maybe you have the rain to thank for not being shut out by the 49ers. You certainly have the rain and Trey Lance to thank for not getting blown out by the 49ers. I don't know why I have to sit here and assume that you got 19 points and it would have been 30 if it wasn't for the rain. 12 of 19 came in the fourth quarter when the rain started pouring. That's weird. You know how many of the 49ers scored in the fourth quarter when the rain started? Zero. They didn't get any of their points when the rain started. They were winning prior to the rain getting heavy. And, I, and the reason I keep phrasing it that way is because maybe it was drizzling a little bit in the first couple quarters. I don't know. I couldn't see it on TV until the fourth quarter. And I went back and rewatched the game with the All-22 to kind of get a a feel for the Bears a little bit. Didn't see any. I didn't get to the fourth quarter. I didn't see any rain. It's hard to tell, but it wasn't heavy enough, if it was raining, to even show up on the cameras. So you know what? I'm tired of that lame excuse. You put up seven points in three quarters with very little rain falling from the sky. Yes, I know the field was slop, because your field is a joke. I understand that. I get that it's sloppy. I don't get what that has anything to do with you scoring zero points and a half. And that's with turnovers in your favor. Let's talk about a couple other things. So the Packers don't lose back-to-back. You guys don't win back-to-back. You've never really scored a lot of points. I shouldn't I shouldn't say never. It's not a It's not a prominent thing. I'm seeing a lot of people talk about, man, if Justin Fields goes off, we're, we're about to be toxic. Let's talk about that. What does that look like? What does going off look like? Let's take a look at a couple good quarterbacks. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers. What is a good... Game from Aaron Rodgers look like? Well, let's see. He only had two games with less than a 100 passer rating last year, so there's a lot to pick from. By the way, interesting side note: Justin Fields has never had a passer rating of 100 or higher ever. But anyways, what does going off look f- like? Well, certainly it means multiple touchdowns. So I would say games in which you crack 300 yards and or three touchdowns. So for example. Aaron Rodgers uh, had one, two, three, four, five, six games in which he threw 300 yards. In addition to that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more games in which he threw three or more touchdowns. And of course, interceptions kind of negate that. So if you have three touchdowns, you kind of subtract an interception. It kind of brings you back down to two, in my opinion. Fortunately for for us, that really just doesn't apply to Aaron Rodgers. In none of those games did he throw a single interception, with the exception of the Tennessee Titans game, where he threw four touchdowns, so that just brings him down to three. So any of those would probably constitute going off, a big game. How many of those types of games do you think Justin Fields has? I was actually looking at twenty twenty. I was wondering why Justin Fields wasn't popping up when I switched over. Anyways, still, those are some examples. Plus, I don't think we played Tennessee last year. How many games did Justin Fields throw for 300 yards or more? Answer, zero. How many games did Justin Fields throw for three or more touchdowns? Zero. Okay. How many games did he throw for two or more touchdowns? One. It was against the Packers, and he also threw two interceptions in that game. The most amount of yards he's thrown is 291. That was the game where he had a 90 overall uh, grade, an 88 passing grade. Everybody kind of freaked out about it. 291 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 58.6 completion percentage. That apparently is the best version of Justin Fields. And if you say that it's not his fault, it's his offense's fault, that's fine with me. That's perfectly fine. Because what we're talking about is Chicago Bears passing production more so than we're talking about Justin Fields. The production on the field was 17 of 29 for 291 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. So, Justin Fields has never, ever gone off in the regular season. If you want to brag about a preseason game, which I don't even think he did anything in the preseason, did he? I mean, he wasn't out there long enough to do anything. No, he did get his three touchdowns. 156 yards, but three touchdowns. So We'll, we'll give him that. Preseason superstar. And we'll also give him credit for throwing two touchdowns in this particular uh, game last week. He tied his his highest. Unfortunately also threw an interception and had a forty seven point one completion percentage and only 121 yards. But you know, we're working we're working on on heading in the right direction. Now zero big time throws and three turnover worthy plays is pretty garbage. But again, it was all the Rain's fault. All right, so what do we got so far? We have a team with no ability to win back to back games, very low ability to score a lot of points, going up against a team that doesn't lose back to back games. And the big kicker here is that it's in Lambeau field. Now, we already know that the Green Bay Packers are undefeated. Matt LaFleur has never lost a game to the Chicago Bears. It just hasn't happened. The closest game since 2019 since twenty nineteen that the, the Packers and Bears have played, the Packers won by seven points. So the fact that there's a 10-point spread seems insane, but there's only two games in which they scored. It was closer than 10 points. Twenty In both of those games, by the way, were in 2019. They won by seven, and they won by eight. But that's not even fun. What if we look at Aaron Rodgers' entire career? Packers Bears games since 2008. The Packers are 24 and 5. In Lambeau Field, they're 12 and 2. The last time the Green Bay Packers lost to the Chicago Bears at home was 2015. They lost by four points on Thursday night. And may I remind you, That was back when the Bears were slightly respectable, and it was Jay Cutler and Matt Forte and Alshon Jeffrey. Remember that team? That was a decent Bears team. When they actually had a competent quarterback. When they actually had a really good running back. When they actually had a pretty solid wide receiver one. Because Cutler, way better than Fields. Forte, way better than Montgomery. And I'll take Alshon Jeffrey over Mooney any day of the week. By the way, 2015, pretty historically bad season for the Packers. I know it doesn't look that way. They went 10-6. and six, They went to the playoffs, the whole nine yards. I get that. It just was not a very good season. The only other game was the Seneca-Wallace game. Aaron Rodgers went out. Seneca-Wallace came in, and um, the, it was on Monday night. The Bears won by seven. So Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau against the Packers once has he lost, and it was on a Thursday night game. You guys are just, you know, th- this is this is a fantasy that you guys are cooking up here. But, I mean, forget the Bears because you say, well, so what? It's a new team. Okay, well, it's, it's a worse team. But, yeah, okay, it's a new team. So let's just forget the Bears. That doesn't even count. You know what the Green Bay Packers record is since Matt LaFleur got here at home? 22-2. and They have lost two home games in the last three years. That's it. They lost by seven points to Philadelphia back in 2019, one of Matt LaFleur's first-ever games, and that was also on a Thursday night. And they lost once to the Minnesota Vikings by six points. That was in 2020. So they've never lost even two home games ever. Last year, they didn't lose a home game. And yes, I'm not counting the playoffs. You can talk about the playoffs all you want. If this was a playoff game, you could talk about the playoffs. This isn't the playoffs. And by the way, you're not a playoff team, so... You can try to throw that around all you want, but it doesn't hold up. The Packers at home, 22 and 2, on average score 29, little over 29 points a game, and they allow on average 18.9 points. Call it 19. 29 to 19 is the average given up by the Green Bay Packers on home games, just in general. Not even talking about against garbage teams. I just mean against anybody. That's the average. By the way, my son's prediction for this game was 28 to 17. He's He just pulled that off the top of his head, and I think he's going to be more right than I am. We both said 17, but we'll get to mine in a minute. On average, though, the Green Bay Packers beat teams by 10.7 points a game at home, just on average. That's insane. The um, points scored at home, the Green Bay Packers are tied with Baltimore for the amount of points scored at home in that span, and Baltimore's played one more game than the Packers have. The only team that's better at home than Green Bay is Dallas in that time span. That's it. The Packers' defense is number one. As in pre- th- there is no better offense, there, maybe one, but th- th- there's no better home team, period. If you look at point differential, and you're talking offense and defense, in second place is the Baltimore Ravens. They averaged 7.76, they beat teams, by 194 more points scored by Baltimore while at home than the opposition, 194. The Packers, 257. And, and these are what's called real statistics. It, it, I can't 100% apply it into the future, but there are things that you can sink your teeth into, things that are real, that have been repeated over and over and over again. The nonsense and the twisting and turning and squinting that you have to do to, to try to comprehend what the heck Bears fans are talking about. Look, it, it, you, you want to have a real um, discussion about the, the Packers losing? Fine. It starts with the Packers wetting the bed. That's it. That's, that's the main point of emphasis here. It's not Justin Fields has his first ever big game. We're not talking about things that have never happened before happening all of a sudden magically the bears are this really elite team with a great offensive line great wide receivers and a super great elite quarterback that throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns these are things that have never happened so yeah if we want to play fantasy land fine aaron Rodgers throws for seven touchdowns and runs for one i mean if all we're doing is being stupid and just making up random stuff that could possibly happen just for the sake of hey it could happen fine i could do that Rodgers throws eight touchdowns, and they all go to Christian Watson, and everybody's going to have to shut it. Burn, science, math, figure it out, son. Learn to read one day, will you? I know Adam Rank is a Bears fan, and he's got to do it, but it's pretty pathetic that that's the best that you can come up with. Your head coach was the defensive coordinator of the team the Packers played once and scored 31 points against. Therefore, the Bears are going to only allow 20 points and end up winning the game by one. What? In Lambo by the way. Again, that was in Indy. On the road. Uncommon opponent. I mean, if you want to if you want to talk about Eberflus winning in in Indy, fine. Let's talk about the fact that it's Indy. You know Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers record against NFC teams, 29 and 8. Best of any team in the NFL. Kansas City Chiefs are 27 and 10. New Orleans Saints are 27 and 10. They tie for second place. You talk about your new elite west coast offense, right? You got you got that Matt LaFleur thing going on now, man. You know who scored the most points against the West Coast offense? The Green Bay Packers. Baltimore is second. They scored 851 points. The Packers have scored 956. You know who has the most wins against teams with a West Coast offense? The Green Bay Packers. The Kansas City Chiefs are second. They're 21 and 7. We've played against more teams that have it, but 21 and 7. The Packers 28 and 6. You're walking right into it. I don't know what it is you have to brag about. These are all real things, man. You know what else is real? The Packers don't lose layups. That's just the reality. Every team loses, right? Any given Sunday, all that, right? Any given day, anything can happen, you never know. But the Packers don't lose games that they're expected to win by a hefty margin. If you're talking a a seven-point... seven point spread in the Packers favor they're undefeated if you're expected to win by a touchdown they've never lost a game in fact you can bump it down to six and they're still undefeated 20 times the Packers have been expected to win by six or more they've won every single one of those games by the way three of those were against Chicago they won all of them so I'm sorry there's just really no no data to work with here that's not to say it can't happen but every single possible conceivable thing is in the Packers' favor right now. The only thing the Bears have going for them is fantasy. Fantasy. And the anything can happen. And again, that's true, but we're, we, we've looked at at least three years of history, and that any, tie, you know, any given Sunday thing has never hit once. The Packers do not lose after a loss. They do not lose at home. They do not lose when they're big favorites. How about late night games? 15-2. and two. Sunday night games, they're 7-1, and one, the only loss coming in 2019 when they got shellacked by the 49ers. And yes, that was on the road. Do you know what the scores have been? Sunday night games in Lambeau the last couple of years, by the way, two of them were against Chicago. The offenses scored 45, 41, 40, and 37. And I tell you what, the Packers don't usually score that much, which leads me to believe that these are some of their highest scoring games. 2021, the two highest scoring games that they played were late night games. 2020 was not. The two highest were noon games, but there was still 41 points, 40 points, and 37 points. The next three were all late night games. See, now you got me curious. Now now I want to look into more stuff. Let's take a break, though, and then we'll come back and kind of look at this because I'm curious. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore dad if you'd like to support the podcast. Please go check out fertilegroundranch.org. You can find links to um, that ministry pinned to the top of my Twitter, as well as the a Podcast Facebook group. Also, pristineauction.com. This is your last chance. The drawing is tomorrow to get a replica Jordy Nelson trophy signed by Jordy Nelson himself. This is the last day. If you've been putting it off, do not put it off anymore. Head over to pristineauction.com. Click on register. Use promo code FARV, F-A-V-R-E, and that's it. You are officially entered to win. You're also going to get $10 off if you bid and win on any item Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Let's talk about Sunday night, shall we? Granted, some teams play Sunday night more often than others. You know who's number one in points on Sunday nights? The Green Bay Packers. Kansas City Chiefs, like every other stat we've looked at, are second. 238 points in nine games. The Packers, 269 in eight games. Third place is the Dallas Cowboys, 176 points in eight games. On average, looking at late games, from fifth place to first place, the Ravens score on average of 26.5 points, Raiders 26.6, Bills 27. The Chargers, on average, score 30 points per game in late night games. We're talking Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Packers, 33.6 per game. How about that? Now, I can already hear you. I, I, I can. Yeah, well, that was all Devontae, and you don't got him now, so what you gonna do? No Devontae having a bunch of losers. Good luck getting to 30, 40 points without that guy, because you guys suck without that guy. All right, yeah, maybe. If you look at the A.J. Dillon game, the uh, 40-14 game against the Tennessee Titans, Devontae Adams had three touchdowns, 11 receptions, 142 yards, and three touchdowns. Last year, 45-30 against the Bears. Devontae had 10 receptions, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. That's true. You also had Lazard with 75 yards and a touchdown. You had Aaron Jones with a touchdown. Well, two touchdowns. But yeah, you, you got double-digit touchdowns from Devontae Adams in those games. You know how many games other than that he had more than one touchdown? Zero. The 30-28 victory over the San Francisco 49ers, Devontae had one. The other touchdowns were MVS and Aaron Jones. victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Devontae had one. The other three came from Alan Lazard and A.J. Dillon. The 41-25 victory over the Chicago Bears. Devontae Adams had one touchdown. Jamal Williams had a rushing touchdown. Mercedes Lewis had a touchdown. Alan Lazard had a touchdown. Robert Tunyon had a touchdown. The other two games, Devontae had zero touchdowns. The 37-30 victory over the New Orleans Saints. Devontae Adams didn't play. Still got to 37 points. Robert Tunyon touchdown. Mercedes Lewis touchdown. Alan Lazard touchdown. Aaron Jones on the ground. Finally, the 31-24 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Aaron Jones had two receiving touchdowns. Jamal had a rushing and a receiving touchdown, giving you a grand total of four touchdowns, zero with Devontae Adams. Here we go. We got another one, ladies and gentlemen. We got another one. This is it. I I, I missed it. I thought that there was nothing that pointed to the Bears beating the Green Bay Packers, and I was sorely mistaken. This is this is a home run for, for Bears fans. Ready? Bears, first-time head coaches against the Green Bay Packers, their first game. Rookie head coaches, first game against the Packers. Nagy, first game, win. Granted, it was 2018 when the Packers completely fell apart and fired everybody. It's also the year that the Bears had one of the best defenses we've seen in the last decade, which... Has nothing to do with where they're at right now. Before that, John Fox. First game against the Packers. Well, it was it was a loss, but, but before that, Mark Tressman, the quarterback whisperer. First game against the Packers. Well, it was that Seneca Wallace game, but by golly, they won it. They sure did. And before that, Lovey Smith beat Brett Favre. So that's kinda three and one. Two and one in the in the Aaron Rodgers era, one and one actually against Aaron Rodgers. But there's that, you know, first-time head coach thing. That that could be a, a, something that happens. Look, I, I, I'm i convinced we could sit here for the next 10 hours and look at random statistics about this particular game, and it'll come out with Packers are better than the Bears. Packers are, it, first, first of all, it almost doesn't matter what the statistic is. The Packers are going to end up being basically undefeated because they've lost very few games since Matt LaFleur got here. They've won almost every game they've played in the regular season, which again is what we're discussing here today. Bears fans, I know you want to bust out the what about the postseason thing. Save that until after you lose. Then when Packer fans brag about it, you can say, yo, you're going to lose in the playoffs. But, and this time when we're talking about this game, which is not a playoff game, it's a regular season game, doesn't really apply. But anyways, again, we could sit here for hours looking at statistics and it's going to come up Packers win, Bears lose. I think I've made my point. The Bears' only recourse is any given Sunday, and I will grant them that one thing. That's it. What else do they have to go on? I mean, the Packers completely imploding, which is potentially the same thing. I mean, on any given Sunday, a team can win. How does that happen? The Packers implode. It's possible. Sure, it is. But the Bears and the Packers putting their best product on the field and the Bears coming out ahead? Never. It's not going to happen. If the Bears put their best product on the field, the the Packers only have to be moderately better than last week to win. In fact, I don't know that they need to really be much better than last week at all. Not going to be nearly as much pass rush, and I will even grant them a couple blown coverage plays because Justin Fields is going to miss at least one of the two. And then the other one, sure, yeah, that'll be his one long touchdown of the day. Congratulations. (laughs) What, What do you want me to say? Anyways, let's look at a couple things here. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. The patrons have spoken. First of all, my prediction for this game, 35-17 Packers. Slightly optimistic, yes. It's, It's the Packers get in sync. It's the defense gets in sync. That's the definition of a get right game. They figure it out at the same time on the same day. But the conditions are right. It's at home. It has to be at home. It's at home. It's a night game. Sunday night. It's against the Bears. It's after a loss. If you had to pick the perfect storm, the perfect scenario in which this happens, where the offense has a good day and the defense has a good day, you draw a big ol' circle around this game. Again, my son's prediction, 28-17 Packers. Not surprisingly, the Packers were picked at 100% to win via Patreon. I don't remember if I did the score predictions yet or not. I don't think I did, but we got other stuff to do. We'll do the score prediction anyways. Here is what Patreon thinks the score is going to be. Again, very similar to my score prediction in that it's it's a pretty, pretty disgusting win. Edward, 31-17. Jason, 34-13. Wayne, 49-0. <laughs> Jacob, 34-17. Roger, 28-10. Donnie, 30-16. Mike, 34-16. Patrick 3117 Andy 30 to 16. it's crazy how they're all very similar 30 to 16 3117 34 16 30 16 3417 3117 3413 mine 35 17 it's almost identical scores across the board with a couple of uh couple of of minor outliers like 490 even 2810 which again, is pretty close to what my son said. It's the same score. It's just a little less optimistic about the offenses, right? Just drop a touchdown from each team. Same thing. Hot takes for the game today. Greg says it's going to be a bloodbath. Bears are overinflated. They're going up against a good team that needs to exercise the demons from week one. It's not going to be pretty for our friends to the south. It's kind of funny you mentioned that. I was watching something else, and they mentioned something kind of interesting. I think it was uh, Colin Coward. He's got his own separate show on YouTube it's like uh the the view or the voice or the 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 vestige i don't know something with a v i think maybe maybe not probably not the view that's kind of taken anyways he got on with his uh points spread vegas betting expert and they talked about packers bears and the potential for you know the the line being set at 10 is is that kind of overhyping the packers and and the better the the expert who has a big bears banner in his background said, if anything, the Packers, as far as public perception, are being devalued in this game. If you think about it, what is all the narrative right now? Despite Bears fans saying they get so much hate, there is a lot of love for the Bears, at least relative to where it should be, and a lot of skepticism about the Packers based on week one. There's, there's, there's at least a little hint of, gee, I'm a little worried about the Packers, and hey, maybe the Bears aren't that bad. So even at 10 points, You're looking at this saying that's probably with an underappreciated Packers team and an overappreciated Bears team. By the way, the reason the spread is as big as it is despite week one is because of everything I just told you. Vegas is all about the numbers, and all the numbers point to this being an absolute slaughter. Aaron says Mason will hit a career long field goal of 59 yards. Interesting enough. Clayton says Quay Walker with at least one sack, 10 plus tackles, and an interception. That is a lot of things. I think any one of those things would be a pretty good day. I mean, the tackles don't matter that much, but it's a lot of tackles. Jason says special teams scores a touchdown. That is the hottest take I've ever heard in my life. Wyatt not only gets his first sack, but records two on the day, and one is a strip sack. He's going to have to hump it because I don't think he gets a lot of opportunities. Aaron says Douglas with a pick six. Andy says Watson catches a bomb this week. I hope so, man. I mean, either way, Watson has to be in the mix. But I'm I'm just going to be – honestly, I'm just nervous he's going to drop it. (laughs) I feel like with Christian Watson, it feels a lot like our special team where all I'm thinking is, please don't drop it, please don't drop it, please don't drop it. That's it. That's all I'm thinking about, which kind of sucks because it should be like, you know, excitement. I just don't want him to drop the ball again because do you know know how miserable that's going to be? I I had this thought earlier today when I was thinking, you know what would be cool is if they just did it again. First play of the game, take another shot to Watson. Do you have any idea how horrible it's going to be if, if they do that and he drops it? If he gets open and Rodgers throws another dime and he drops that? Sorry, I, I shouldn't even put that out there. I don't know why I'm putting that out in the, into the ether. Take it back. It's not a thing. And finally, we got the best offensive and defensive players, the predictions. I'm curious. I got to go back and see if anybody hit from last week real quick. Well, let's do this first. The The closest on the score prediction last time was technically Mike Hebering because he predicted the Vikings to win. He was the only one, 24-21 Vikings. Mike's prediction in this game was 34-16. to He says that's if 33-28 and 28 get 32 total touches. I kind of don't think that's going to happen, but um, we'll go with that. Mike is the, uh, he won the score prediction last week, so that's our official score of this week, 34-16. Highest graded offensive player last week was Josiah Deguara. Uh, did anybody say Mr. Josiah Deguara? nobody did. This week, Aaron Jones. Patrick says Aaron Jones. Aaron says Romeo Dobbs. Gary says AJ Dillon. Jason's going with Mercedes Lewis. Steve is going with Aaron Jones. Aaron Miller's going with Zach Tom. Roger's going with Aaron Jones. Andy's going with Aaron Jones. A lot of love for Aaron Jones. I'm curious how many times he's been the highest graded player on the team. I would guess not many, but also that's because we had Devonte on the team and he was almost always the highest-graded offensive player, him and Rodgers. Um, and then Alexi says 12 will go off for three passing and one rushing touchdown. He always plays lights out versus the Bears. Again, a lot of, lot of grades out there not being touched. So last week's highest-graded player, it's kind of tough. It was Keyshawn Nixon, but that doesn't count. Kingsley and Agbar would be... Probably the right answer, but he only played 10 snaps. Other than that, it would be Devondre Campbell. So if anybody said Kingsley, I'll give it to him. Um, I don't think anybody did. Did anybody say Devondre Campbell? Do-do-do-do-do-do. Yes. Edward Stevens says Campbell will be the highest graded player on the defense. We're going to call that a win. He was the highest graded starter on the team. Unfortunately, we don't have Edward. We've got to get Edward in here to give us a defensive player. But anyways, Patrick says it's going to be Jair. Gary says Kenny Clark. Clayton goes with Devondre again. He says the Bears will be looking to lean on the run game as the Packers and Campbell has practiced against Getze, former Green Bay Packers Packers passing coordinator, quite a bit. I'm predicting Campbell with an 82.1 PFF grade. Carson says Quay, Jason says Kenny Clark, Steve says Campbell, Aaron says Douglas, Roger says Kenny Clark, and Andy says Preston. He says, I recall he's done really well versus the University of Chicago Bears in past games. So, Edward, if you're out there, man, real quick, go over to Patreon, tell us who's going to be the highest graded offensive and defensive player. You nailed it last week. But with that, we're going to leave it alone. I've said everything there is to say. Go Pack Go. I'll talk to you tomorrow for Victory Monday. Have a good one. Bye-bye.